what exactly this sickness is from. I have a, I have HIV. I have, I'm a, I'm a insulin dependent diabetic. I have hip C. I have a schizophrenia.
So through your early childhood and into your early 20s, you never really kept close friends. I had people that I knew and people that I hustled with, but as far as uh, I, I couldn't say that I had a close friend. And do you think that's what uh, related to you committing crimes and, and trying to survive out here? Is that you had no mentorship, no friendship, no guidance? I mentor as a thief. Quick question. As a person who committed a lot of crimes, do you believe that it was easier to get away with crime in the past times than it is now? It's your boy, Robbie Dean, back with another one of those fire-ass episodes of Me Blanca Amigo, and this is episode 21, Bring Your Bitch Ass Up The Street, Living With HIV And Homelessness In Charlotte. Yeah, uh, earlier this week in the city, a popular rapper by the name of The Baby got into an altercation at Walmart, and... Shit went left, and you know what I'm saying? Right now, people are grieving, and people are trying to, you know what I'm saying, keep their space. Um, only reason I named the title of that is because I actually fuck with bruh. Um, this is a fucked up situation. Again, black people gotta die, which it shouldn't have to be like that at this point. And uh, yeah, just hoping bruh. Praying for bruh's mental peace for what he had to go through, what he's going through, what he has to deal with. I know that's a demon that's uh, going to hunt him for the rest of his life, whether he chooses to, you know, say that or not. Um, other than that, I've been jumped in bruh inbox and told him to hop, come to the show, show some love, pull up. Nigga ain't hit me back. It's all good. But if he hearing this, pull up. Bring your ass up the street. Come holla at me. Um, yeah, other than that, man, I got a dope episode, legendary, greatness, 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 let me break it down to you, you know what I'm saying? I've been bullshitting, 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 bullshitting with my interviews. My interviews have been slowing down, uh, people are not returning calls, people are not locking it in, people are bullshitting, telling me they're gonna do it, then end up not doing it. It is what it is. But this particular episode, I was procrastinating. I was even procrastinating on begging motherfuckers to come on the show. I was just like, fuck it. I'm tired of it. You know what I'm saying? If this is meant to be God, I'm going to pull a miracle out for your boy in the fourth quarter. So had an original interview. Supposed to be some music shit. Didn't work out. Bro pulled out last second. Couldn't get the shit done. So here I am today on Thursday, November the 8th. This episode will release at midnight of November the 9th. Meaning I got four to five hours to upload this bitch. It's seven o'clock. 
November 8th. Uh, this morning, I woke up 8 a.m., drove around, had the idea in my head that I wanted to interview somebody homeless because I knew, you know what I'm saying, somebody would want to tell their story. So I woke up, went to the men's shelter around that area, asked a couple people, bunch of no's. Finally met a dude who told me where to go to find some people that are willing to do it for a couple dollars. So I pull up to the shelter, ask the people, you know, hey, uh, I need somebody to refer me to, da 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 da. I'm trying to get this podcast thing going. You know how it is. They say, you know, go here, do this, do that, do this. On my way out, um, after acquiring that information, I met a guy by the name of Jerome G. I don't want to say his last name. Jerome G. And off bat, he just told me, yo, I'm homeless. I got HIV. I, you know, I'm going through it. The system, da 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 They're kicking my ass. They're suppressing me. This, that, and the third. So I was like, all right, bro, you know, let me get your story. And, uh, you know, after that, the shelter provided a room for me to record in. Uh, he was more than willing to tell everything. Um, he was doing it out the kindness of his heart for free. But once I finished up with that, I took brother to get some food. Got him that nice-ass Cajun filet. You know what I'm saying? Both-sized it for your boy. Sweet tea, large fries, hot biscuit. You know how I do. Um, took him to the bank and gave him a couple dubs. Nothing major. I'm not even finna brag about the amount of money. Just enough to put a smile on a broke nigga face. Because it put a smile on my broke ass face. Um, yeah, other than that, bro was dope. Great. Uh, honestly, a friendship. Gave him my number. Told him to call me whenever. I'ma always remember him. He helped me pull some Jordan shit out in the clutch. Like I said, I don't wait to the day of to fuck with my podcast. I usually try to record a week out in advance, minimum. So for all this to happen and the way everything timed up and locked in and I still went to the gym and got my lift on and still finna catch this Panther game at 8.30 and still might have my little thing, thing swing through here before I gotta get my ass up and go to work in the morning. I'm just a blessed individual, man. I'm feeling good. I looked out for somebody. They looked out for me. Uh, life is great. I can't complain. Um, it is what it is. So, yeah, a little lengthy intro today, but I had to just break down, y'all, exactly what was going on. And, uh, yeah, man, in the interview, we just talk about his childhood, how he grew up. Uh, his bad influences, the crimes he committed. Uh, what was the city like during the 70s, 80s, and 90s? He had a uh, very clear perspective of exactly like clubs to be at, places to hang out, uh, people to know, the drug dealers, all these things he was telling me about that was going on in the same city we walk on every day from the past 30, 40 years, from the 70s, the 80s, and the 90s. He was just giving... A real nigga perspective on everything, man. So, yeah, again, just a dope interview. Probably not my favorite interview, but from an interview's perspective, definitely my best interview. Um, very serious. Didn't want to put a freestyle on this. This is some professional shit. I want Oprah to hear this and, you know what I'm saying, take me under her wing. You feel me? But uh, other than that, man, you already know how I do. Like comment, 
Subscribe like the white girls in the valley say and follow my IG man at R-O-B-E-I-W-H-Y and again baby like comment subscribe like the white girls in the valley say <laughs> I'm out Out of all your dirty dirt you done did at the end of the day when you sat back and you counted up As far as what, the prison system? The, the system, the, the, the way it was, the, the, the brothers, the, the, the white guys, the Arab brothers, the, all of the above. It's something that I would never want to experience again. Charlotte, North Carolina, and the reason I brought you in today was to speak on uh, homelessness in Charlotte, plus your life story, and everything else that comes along with it, so we'll kick it off with your childhood. Describe your childhood for me. Uh, <clears throat> I grew up in the uh, Greer Heights community mm -hmm. uh, here in Charlotte, North Carolina, in the southeast part of Charlotte. Um, my childhood, it, it, it wasn't really the ideal childhood. Right. I still had dreams or whatnot. Um, but my mom, I had a single parent um, in the home, and she did all she could do for us. And at the time, I was um, I was introduced. My aunt Pat married a hustler out of Tampa. Mm -hmm. Tampa, Florida, man, every day. Mm -hmm. And um, he was a big influence on my life from, from around 16 on up until my early adulthood when I first um, you know, did my first uh, state summons. Uh -huh. um, 
always aspired to be like him because he was a big money getter here in Charlotte okay. at the time. Um, the streets caught a hold to me, and um, from there it was it was just like my um, I was out there. Okay, so at what age? Would you say you jumped off the porch, as we say in my era? Around 15, 16. What were some of the things you was doing at 15 and 16 that you shouldn't have been doing? Um, I was being in, um, taking high class um, men's Eli sportswear that was real popular at the time. Suits, leather coats. Um, it, it really wasn't nothing that I didn't, you know, I didn't get into at that time and at that age. But um, um, I learned to ring cash registers up at the time. Mm -hmm. I learned a game they called round and cop, where you would dip in the till, you, you would drop money, and, and, and you would get the clerk to open the draw first of all, and then you would drop on them. And she already got the draw open, so you would, you would round and dip, or, or your partner would round and dip from the team. Uh, that was one of the major games that was played at the time. And I learned it. I learned it at a, a young age. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what year was this at fifteen, sixteen? Uh, it was around the late seventies. Perfect. Describe describe Charlotte to me. I always wanted to know from a, a young person's perspective in that era, what was the seventies and early eighties like in Charlotte? Oh, man, it, it was it was like oh man, Charlotte was on and popping at that time. <laughs> it was on and popping. It was Charlotte was the place to be at that time. In the seventies? In the seventies. In the seventies, oh man. Seventies was a great year. Seventies mm -hmm. was a great year. Mm. And um, what was the uh, social scene like in Charlotte in the in the seventies era? Around time the year you was fifteen, sixteen. What can you remember as far as uh, the club and the nightlife? Uh, money changer was a popular place for all the hustlers. Um, they had uh, disco two thousand. Um, they had the glass cage, um, they had the free gate over there on stage for Avenue, the eight ball, I mean. Um, they had a lot of they had a lot of clubs and I always looked older mm -hmm. um, than I really was. Right. And so that that, that kinda that kinda helped me, you know, groove, you know, uh, as far as the adult scene. Um, I was able to, a lot of spots I was able to get into because I always looked older than what I really was. Right, right, know? right. Um, during the 70s, that, that was the late 70s, um, it, it, it was only popping, really. Um, when did you acquire your first arrest? It was um, 1970, I believe it was around 1978, 79. What, what was your charge? Uh, it was a common law robbery. Mm. Can you uh, describe exactly what happened? We used to spot individuals. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I would say weak individuals, and we would play upon them. And um, 
Sometimes it would be a whole thing where, where one would grab him and hold him, the other one would go through his pocket. Ah, uh, straight Debo. Yeah, it was, it was a popular thing back during that time. Mm -hmm. That type of crime, you know. Um, so how did you get caught in a situation like a cop saw you doing it? No, it was, it was the individuals that seen me do it that knew me. Right. And he helped the police out at that time. Uh, okay, so usually they say at the first arrest is where life pretty much either goes downhill or you completely change your life. Yeah, it's, it's true, man, but I continued because the money was good, the money was... And, <clears throat> At certain times, the money was good, and um, the getting was good. When I mean by, when I say the getting, <clears throat> it was that not only that game <clears throat> was being played, you know, we were taking cases of cigarettes, we were doing all type of things, man. And like I say, um, in different areas, the money was always plentiful. Mm. Alright, so... At this time, you're what, 19, 17, 17, 18. What is life to? What are you thinking in life? Like, what was your mindset? Was it just every day, just wake up, do what you want, and not think about life down the road? Basically, that's what it was. You, you never thought that that you would have a bummed out experience. And I mean, when I say bummed out experience, that you would take that trip to jail, even though you were doing wrong things, you, you never you never thought that far back. I mean, that, that far down the road, right. as far as going to jail or whatnot, you, would, you was there, man. You was trying to get money. You know, mm -hmm. that's basically what it was, trying to get money. Everybody was getting money. Now, this was a time where Jimi Hendrix was dominating the charts. I understand. No, it was more like um, at that time. It was more like the Barcades, um, Brick, um, Stevie Wonder, Living for the City, um, mm -hmm. um, the Commodore. What years was this? 78, 79? 78, 79. Okay. 78, 79. Okay. And uh, what were some of the, the drugs that was being commonly used around Charlotte at the time? <clears throat> Marijuana, cocaine, and heroin. Mm, still that. <laughs> still that. Moving into the 80s, um, what was your crime of choice going into the 80s? Going into the 80s? Yeah. I was basically at that time I I I got my, my, my pack down right and it was, it was like tear tapping and, and creeping. Mm -hmm. What's that? Creeping is where you would um if if it was two of you and you would pull, usually where you would pull and, and go search offices, usually with safes in the offices or whatnot, and um while one would hold, the other one would go in there and he would take care of his business, you mm -hmm. know. Or, you would dip behind the till, and usually on certain days they would have where they would have the receipts um, for that week, and they would get ready to take it to the bank. And some of them just slip, you know. Especially on Mondays and Fridays. Mondays is when everybody come back to work, and they they, they still gargling. Mm. Uh, Fridays is when everybody was trying to get out to get home to start the weekend. Right. Right. So, yeah. Um. 
the eighties. Uh, did you ever get an arrest in the eighties? Was you ever arrested several times? Several times. Mm -hmm. So were you arrested more in the seventies or more in the eighties? More in the eighties. Did you face homelessness in the eighties in Charlotte? At the time, but because I was still staying with my mom, paying bills or whatnot, and sometimes we wouldn't uh, see eye to eye, and I would just step, you know. And right. Basically, that that would put me on the streets because I had to really, you know, grind to mm. get motel rooms. Or, or as far as friends, I didn't have friends like that where I could go and, and, and lay my head or whatnot. Uh, it was basically just me. Mm. So, through your early childhood and into your early 20s, you never really kept close friends? I had people that I knew and people that I hustled with, but as far as, um, I, I couldn't say that I had a close friend. Mm. And do you think that's what uh, related to you committing crimes and, and trying to survive out here? Is um, that you had no mentorship, no friendship, no guidance? My mentor was a thief. Mm. He's a hustler. Right. That's who my mentor was. And through the 80s, describe the growth in Charlotte from the 70s. <clears throat> from the 70s up to the 80s? Yeah, like what was it? the clubs, the uh, social scenes? Parties. Yeah, it basically, um, as far as uh, the growth in Charlotte, um, the change where the change came in or, or whatnot, um, people was um, they were, <clears throat> like I say they were, they were getting money, they were dressing. Yeah. Uh, it's still the same thing today. Nice cars, a beautiful woman. Mm -hmm. uh, Name some of the major streets that the players and the and the cool people be hanging out off of that are still here today. Oakland Avenue, the old Fairview Homes, mm -hmm. um, Wilmore, off West Boulevard, mm -hmm. um, Greer Heights, where I grew up at. Um, wow, Cherry. You had Southside. You had Clinton Park, but Clinton Park was mostly like. Um, families trying to do better. Um, mm, black families? Um, it was a white neighborhood at, at the time. Right. Black star moving in and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But um, some of the major spots here on North Triumph Street, um, um, Trade Street, was a, uh, Sycamore, was where all the pimps and players mm. took, um, they come through and they hung out, they worked their women there and whatnot. Mm. They just four row there, down there at Five Point, John C. Smith area, the old Biddy Bill. Yeah, them, them are some of the places there. And what years was this? You said the 80s? The 80s, 70s, okay. late 70s, early 80s. Describe Johnson C. Smith for me in this era. I know you was up there a few times. Yeah, um, in fact, I used to hang out right there at uh, Five Point where John C. Smith is. Some of the, I mean, you got sisters, some of the sisters that, that went to that school, man. I mean, drop dead gorgeous sisters, intelligent sisters. Right. But you, all, you also had sisters that was 
I'm gonna say it like this. I might be wrong for saying it like this, but I'm gonna say they, they was on top of their game. Shiesty sisters. <laughs> yeah. For real, for real. <laughs> Gaming at the school? Yeah, man. Mm. Mm. What was uh some of the moves you seen them pull out there? Cause a lot of them what at the school they was at the school as far as educational wise, but yeah, they was enrolled. Uh, yeah, they they were catching a lot of major players and doing doing what they do. You know? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So rounding out the eighties, what was the most memorable thing? about Charlotte that you just think about instantly as far as the eighties. Like the moment, a situation, uh, the, the a murder, before, something. Before I took my first fed trip. Um, no, before I did my first state trip. Um, like I say money was good and Charlotte always been home for me, man. I always loved Charlotte regardless, you know. Mm -hmm. um, how things turned out right now. But um, Charlotte was the eighties was eighties was the years too. I mean Rolling into the nineties, um you said you did fed time and all that. So what years were you locked up? From, from 2006 up until 2017, April the 19th of 2017. Oh, okay, we got time. We'll get to the 2000s. The 90s. What can you remember about the 90s in the city? Cocaine was really a headband. I remember. The brothers getting money, the ones that. I can I can think of a lot of them that come up before the Jamaicans came here and showered and started doing and a lot of brothers took that different than, than the way I took it. But um, during the time I was out there, the nineties. Yeah. Um, it was just what everybody was doing, getting money. Mm -hmm. Shout out to my pops. A lot of trips to Atlanta. Um, <laughs> brothers was getting money. Yeah. Um. What do you remember as far as cost of living in the city? Was it still cheap? Yeah, it, 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 it was better better then than it is now. Right. I mean, you know, they 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 Charlotte done grew. You know, I left and came back um, ten and a half years, and things have changed so much, man. And, you know, they. They done told down all the projects here in, in, in Charlotte. I believe Boulevard Homes still got some spots, you know, built up there from the days of old. Um, they changed. They, they, they tore down a lot of spots and, and rebuild it. But, um, but I need to actually that you, yeah, as far as the cost of living, mm -hmm. it was real cheaper than I mean, you could, man, if you were getting money, you could live like a company on the show. <laughs> <clears throat> um, where were some of the uh, major clubs and spots to be at in the 90s? And what was your age range in the 90s from 90 to 2000? I was 
was in my 30s. Um, in my early 30s. Um, before I took my first trip to Atlanta, I stayed in Atlanta. Um, Charlotte, um, before I took my first trip, Charlotte was on um, the club scene was it, was, it was basically like I told you from the start. Uh, it was it was some of the spots where the hush like the, uh, the money chain. Mm. You had all the major players, from, from the cocaine players up to the tear tappers and creepers that, that, that went to the money chain. Uh, I remember Larry, um, uh, a brother named Larry that grew up in Fairview Homes. Him and Hook, mm -hmm. R.S. Hook Soul, um, they, um, they had eased up in the money chain and caught a hustler one time. The hustler, the hustler had slipped. He was a major drug player here. And, and they was able to capitalize on his, <laughs> on his, um, his weakness at that time. Right. He slipped. And they was able to capitalize at that time. How much we talking? Um, a couple ounces and several thousand dollars. I don't know the value of that stuff. Um, at the time, an ounce, of, an ounce of cocaine was, shit. I don't know, it was about $1,500 a barrel. Oh, $1,500, I thought you were about to say 15000 <laughs> Oh, so they, if they were smart, they had a decent come up. Yeah, they did. They did at the time. Mm -hmm. um, the robbery scene in the city. You said the major players and uh, all the big dealers and all that. Was there a lot of robberies and B&Es in that, and during that time? Yeah, you had a lot of candlestick artists. Uh, what I mean when I say candlestick artists, them with the robbery, the, the robbery boys. Yeah, you, you had them that played the city, um, the kidnapping scene, and, and things like that. Um, All this in Charlotte, correct? Yeah, yeah, back in the days, yeah. Mm. What was uh, some of the specialized ways that they would commit the robberies? Like, as far as like technology not being around, I know they would, you know pretty much be a cowboy on how they could just it, put it a bunch of robbery. What you, what you mean when you say that? Because you, you had people that that, that did the, uh, uh, that would go out and did the, the business type robberies, and then you had the stick up boys that would run in on the dope players and take money from them like that. So you had two different kinds of robberies out there at that time. Quick question. As a person who committed a lot of crimes, do you believe that it was easier to get away with crime in the past times than it is now? I sure do. Based off of technology? I sure do. And, and, and to tell you this, I'm talking about, I knew, I knew some players, man. I knew two players. Two players that, that 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 was a part of my life at the time, mm -hmm. and both of them done green up. And I'm talking about both of them was the baddest cats, man. But you, I mean, I used I used to just if if I could just get a seat in the car with the, with them two guys, which I have yeah. a, a number of times, man, it was like a dream come true. <laughs> I know that if I would go out with them, yeah, yeah. That, that that I was gonna get paid mm. if I played my part. Yeah. I was gonna get paid. And, um, at the time, <clears throat> the major one, uh, Tamp, 
he was he he had took me out. He said uh, a lot of times he would say it didn't take number one out mm-hmm. to, to take care of business. And a lot of times I would sit in the car and I would see him from afar. If he it depends on what place he played, but the guy man, the guy he would tell me I would we would come up like. Um, we, would, we would ring a teal up in, in, in the service station, mm-hmm. and he would he would ask me. I'm, I'm young at the time, I'm about 18 at the time, and he would ask me, say, "You ready to stop working now?" <laughs> I said, "No, nah, man, no, nah, nah, man. Free money like that." All right, so um, out of all your dirty dirt you done did, at the end of the day, when you sat back and you counted up. What was the most you ever had to your name? Are you saying just on an average day? No, just like period, like the, most the, the, yeah, in one, like just about yeah. forty-two, forty-three hundred. What did you do with that money? Did you invest it wisely, or did you blow it? Like a blow thing, man. When I didn't, when I didn't take them, I'd be a mom, man. May God rest her soul. I would, I would dress, and I had a, I got a 39 year old daughter now, and I would try to do what I can do for her. Okay, so closing out the night. Is there um, any major event? Any major murder, like the OJ trial or something, anything crazy you remember from the 90s that you want to speak on or elaborate on? Like, you remember being this place and watching this or something? Oh, I'll tell you what, I don't know if it's rightfully for me to say it because I don't know if it's statute of limitation on it, but I robbed my first bank in the 90s, 1996. Which you get away with? It wasn't no major cash. It was, it was enough for me to go freak off in the motel for a day or two. All right, so paint the picture because that's a decent story. I gotta, I gotta highlight that. Paint the picture for me from A to Z. I woke up that morning. Actually, I took and went and got a vehicle that morning. Early that morning, I left Grill Town mm-hmm. and I went. I had spots that I could go get vehicles because one of my major things. Also was to, to take the vehicles and use them as rams and, and knock those down, get out, take clothes, mm. and, and, and get back in the car. Sometime I'll be able to make two and three trips just to get clothes and, and, and throw them in the car, and then just you know just get out of there. The alarm going off and everything. Um, and, and that particular morning, like I said, I had places that I got vehicles from, so I got a truck. And I went over West Boulevard on Amy James. That's where my sister was staying at the time. Mm-hmm. And I knew a girl named Chocolate there. <laughs> and she had, um, she had also was a was an ex con. She had did time, and um, she had asked me to pay a bill for her. And me and Chocolate was pretty tight. And so I said, Yeah, I got to go make a withdrawal from the bank, though. I got a little cash in the bank, and I got to go make a withdrawal. So I went and made a withdrawal that morning, and she was with me. And I, when I got, she didn't, she didn't, she didn't honestly know whether I had money in the bank or not. But she, she believed the hype, you know? so I went along with it. And um, I went and made my withdrawal. And when I got back to the truck that morning, she was balled up. And when I came out of the bank, she said, uh, 
She said, what, what, you, what, you, what you done done? I said, show me how to get back on West Boulevard as fast as we can get back in there. And it was only popping after that, man. Mm. All right, so rolling into the 2000s. What do you remember about the city? Same thing as far as the social life, uh, entertainment, the growth. And you said this is when you got locked up at two. During 2000, I come home. My cousin squirrel, he died in 2000. I had come home from a 10-year bid where I went in Salisbury, um, took a money pouch. Salisbury, North Carolina, I took a money pouch. I was with this girl who was shot and paralyzed um, a little bit after I went to jail in 93. Mm -hmm. I came home from Atlanta. I had met him. We stayed together for a little minute. And um, I took a left out and went to Salisbury to try to get money to help pay bills and get grocery in the house. Um, it, it, it really wasn't no fond memory. Um, um, no good memory to me um, of the early 2000s. Um, like I said, my cousin Squirt died of AIDS. Um, mm. Bonja was shot and paralyzed. Um, I did my first, it wasn't my first bank robbery, but it was, it was the second one, and that was the one that I was caught. <clears throat> Not on the second one, but the third one. Because mm -hmm. I left out of one bank and went into the another. Mm -hmm. And when I come out of that, the emergency exit, um, I tried to commandeer a vehicle, and um, I got the vehicle, but a brother wouldn't let me get away. Uh, it was a brother that did you dirty? It was a brother that held me down, too. With what? Also a white guy, a Mexican guy, he had, um, as they were holding me down, he had his knee in my neck, and um, I had asked him why, man. <laughs> why were they doing it? Why yeah. they doing my business? And they told me, say, you should have a job and get a job. Wow. It was, it was a big thing, man. And that, that's something I never forgot. You know? That hurt you. How many years you had to do for that? I did 10 and a half years for that. And you could have, they could have just minded that business. And I would have probably got away with it. Mm, that is crazy. I'm not saying that they wouldn't have caught me at the end, and, and, and I would have got time for it. Yeah, a fair chance. I would have, I would have got away. I would, have, I would have made it back to Atlanta. I'm pretty sure. How much did you have on you? On the, on the, from the two banks. Yeah. Several thousand dollars. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, so they hold you down. The cops come. You get arrested. You're sitting in your cell that night. You thinking that you finna do some years? I knew I was gonna do some time. There wasn't no doubt in my mind, but I ain't think it was gonna be as rough as it was. Uh, describe as rough as it was. What do you mean? Um, murders. Um, I started off at USP Big Sandy in the Finesse, Kentucky, and it was one of the man. I. <laughs> It was like, it was like taking your first blow of cocaine. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, um, 
as far as what the prison system it's the system the, the, the way it was the, the, the brothers the, the, the white guys the Aaron brothers the, the, all of the above man I, <clears throat> it's something that I would never want to experience again even though I, I went back and did violation time mm -hmm. uh, it, it's nowhere near like the USPs that they have it, uh, around the United States I mean so, what was some of the things you were seeing? Like, what was one of the most gruesome things you seen on the, in, in that, in that in system? system? Think back, man. Take your time. <clears throat> you know, they always say it's strength and numbers, right? Right. When they hit the deuces, when they hit the deuces in the, in, in the dead system, and, and all the... the they, when they hit the deuces, they come in number. They, I'm talking about from the psychiatrist all the way down to, to the, to the nurses. They coming at you, coming at you hard. The inmates? No, the staff. Mm, coming for the inmates. If if me and you would, if we were grooving with knives, they they coming at you. Mm. I've sat on the steps as close as I am to you now, and seen where a white guy. Attacked another white guy for calling him a bitch. Mm -hmm. He had a fiberglass shank with him. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that kept him from it, this white dude named Rage out of, uh, I think he was from uh, Delaware somewhere, from, from, from dying that day, is that the dude couldn't, uh, with the fiberglass shank, the dude couldn't, he couldn't pin him. A soft spot for the fiberglass to go into the guy's body. Mm -hmm. The guy just he just throw up it every time he would um, swing the shank. He would throw up his arm and uh, deflect the, yeah. the head or whatnot. So he wasn't able to find a spot, soft spot to, to push the knife in. So the being in this system did it, it mentally break you? Did it it change you as far as not wanting to commit crime no more and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, cause I, I, I've been out here, man, and <clears throat> if, if I get any kind of money and come from accident, you know, if some people would call it panhandling or whatnot, you know, I would tell, I tell a person if I'm hungry or not, you know, and if I got my own money, I usually go get me a sandwich or a cup of coffee, yeah, yeah, it, break, it, it, it broke me up. It, it, it scared the hell out of me too. Mm. Mm. Panhandling in Charlotte. You do it often? I have since I've been home, cause that's you know I'm I'm, I'm sick now, and, and that's the only way that I I get money now, unless I take my stamps and mm. sell my stamps or whatnot. So. So do they offer you uh, uh, Medicaid and all that? Yeah, I get Medicaid right now. I'm in the, I'm in the process of, of getting my SSI back too, but um, they tell me it's a two-year wait. So mm. it's, it's kind of hard, man. It, two years, I mean, the system, done, it, it's, it's like it's messed up now. It's yeah. not like what it used to be. You could have passed by now, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, about six Fucking months ago, yeah. I had my first check in, but it ain't mm -hmm. like that now, so. So I think now is at the point where you can explain to the people what exactly your sickness is from. I have, um, I have HIV. Um, I have, I'm an I'm a insulin-dependent diabetic. I have hip C. 
trying to get a, a understanding. Um, what age were you at this time? I was in, I think I was in my 30s, my late 30s. Late 30s. Okay, so you would naturally... Late 30s, 40s. Yeah, you would naturally have days where you wake up and feel tired anyway in your late 30s. Just random days you still yeah, feel it, asleep. It, it basically got more worse at the end than, you know, when I say at the end as, as life progressed mm -hmm. and... and um, when I did my first um, Fed time, I knew that I was I was sick, but I I didn't think God would bless me to to come back out of the system like I came out of the system. Now I'm just trying to get um, symptoms. Like, what would you feel that you could tell the listeners? Like, what are symptoms of HIV that you knew something ain't right with my body? That it was a day, a month, a year ago. You know what I'm saying? Other than being tired, sometimes and not, not really tired. I I couldn't tell you. Yeah. I honestly couldn't tell you. Mm. I couldn't. I couldn't honestly tell you that. That's crazy. Cause they always say you got a bunch of symptoms, but I couldn't tell you. I honestly couldn't tell you. Yeah, until you went to jail. All right, so. You get out, you're panhandling, you're sick, you gotta find ways to survive. How do you keep hope? How do you wake up every day and keep you know, going? I, I met this, I met this Reverend um, about a weekend ago, mm -hmm. and I met Miss Lou last night, and I told him, I say, um, how do how do I keep how do I keep continuing to survive or whatnot? Mm -hmm. Cause like God got me in the palm of His hand, man. They said, well, where do you sleep? I said, up there in the palm of God's hand, up on the stoop up there. It's a church up there. Yeah. Right when you go up the stairs, right about, oh, God knows how many steps you have to climb. I'm right there. I can see the traffic, the guys <laughs> ripping and running and yeah. fighting for dope and stuff. I can lay there 
on my side and actually see the scene, you know? Yeah. And I'm right there in God's hand, man. Mm. Right there in God's hand, man. Do, palm in his hand. Were you uh, raised with this type of faith or did you have to find it? Closing out, can you tell me um, one good thing about the life you lived and one bad thing about the life you lived? No. When I cut that fed they say, it, I goes in, they say, well, you got to do this, you got to do that. I, everything the government asked me to do, I did it. Mm. I even went in there and got my GED. My dead mom, God rest her soul, said she had a smile on her face like that, man. Yeah. But she found out that I ain't got it, you know. And that was that was my good point. That was my good thing that I came out. And and I came out with that education, man. But this 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 what killed me, man. I did all that time. And and, and the government come out here man, they know I'm sick. Yeah. And they ain't gonna do nothing for me. They ain't doing nothing. And I think they hold at least that much to, to get me off the streets, man. All right. And you want to say your name one last time? My name's Jerome Gill, and I appreciate you listening. Mm. And <clears throat> my last question to you, light question. Somebody's listening to this. Tomorrow, they get thrown out in the streets, completely homeless. What are some of the next few steps and tips you would tell them to survive? Don't lose faith and continue to walk with God. And hold your head up. Keep your head up, man. Cause if, 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 if you hold your head down, man, you might bump in the wall or something. Keep your head up. Sisters and brothers, keep your head up. And continue. God ain't left just like I am, walk, walk with him, and he holding you in the palm of his hand, so. We out. Alright, and that is episode 21, Bring Your Bitch Ass Up The Street, Living With HIV And Homelessness In Charlotte, Man. I'd like to thank my guest once again, Jerome G, man. Straight out of Charlotte, born, bred, and raised. Giving me that legendary interview. Uh, yeah, if you listened all the way through, I just want to flat out apologize for that background static. Um, I told you in the intro, the shit I went through to pull this off was crazy. So, I don't care what the hell was heard on it. I'm just grateful that it got done. And I'm just blessed, man. Again, like, after listening to that man's testimony, I'm just blessed by everything I got in life and everything I'm going for in life because I know it's coming. Um, other than that, man, I appreciate y'all. I don't know how many times I keep saying it, listening all the way through. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You already know. Next episode going to be more litter, 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 more titter, titter, titter. And pray for your boy to get better interviews, man, because I don't know what the hell going on. Like shit starting to dry up. I really have been super creative with these episodes the last, I want to say, four or five. Like, super creative. 
gotta bust them out the ass. Like, shit, should, I feel like shit should be way more easier than this. But they say greatness. I don't know how the fuck they say it, but you already know what I'm trying to say. The easy shit ain't for great people or whatever the fuck it is. Tune in next time, man. More legendary shit. You already know. Follow my IG. R-O-B-E-I-W-H-Y. I really see y'all clicking that follow button and throwing them likes, man. I appreciate it. I really do. Um, other than that, man, you already know. Like, comment, subscribe. Like the white girls in the valley say. I'm out.